Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Neil White. and from Backpage. This is the big interview with Graham Hunter at the Euros. It's Monday morning, June 14th. At 2pm, Scotland will kick off at a major tournament for the first time since they played Morocco in Saint Etienne in 1998. Later this evening, Spain will begin their campaign against Sweden. In between those two, Poland plays Slovakia. Graham Hunter, I think enough of our listeners will be picking this up after Scotland play the Czech Republic. That we probably shouldn't dwell on it too much, but I'll call you after the game. I wonder if your hopes for the tournament have been affected by what we saw yesterday. We'll talk about that later. But the last time you and I spoke, you had had very little or no access to the Spain camp because they were doing the COVID dance following two positive tests, one of which was, we think, a false negative. But I believe things have changed since then and you've actually seen some real-life footballers. No, it's been absolutely uh, fascinating. It's a slog. I mean, the the distances, the heat, the physical energy you put into this work, and therefore those beautiful Winnie the Pooh honey moments of seeing football being played. Yeah, man. I don't know if anybody who's listened to this is interested in football, but yeah, it's so good. It just about sustains you. There's a really nice moment where the guys who'd stood in when Spain lost Sergio Busquets, who I really kind of now expect to see coming back into the squad over the next 48 hours, maybe three days. I hope it's not confirmed, but I think he's going to have worked off his quarantine, stayed fit and come back in. Diego Llorente, I think there's now no question, having passed four straight PCR tests as a negative, that he had a false positive, the poor guy. And at the training ground, the guys like Fornals, Carlos Soler, so Fornals of West Ham, Soler of Valencia, Rodrigo of uh, Leeds, Kepa, poor old Kepa at Chelsea. Uh, there were more, I must have forgotten somebody, Raul Albiol at Villarreal. The guys who, last time we were talking, Lucy Enrique said, yeah, they dropped everything, dropped their holiday plans and said yes within three minutes, each of them and came up. Well, they were, they were when, when Llorente came back in and all the squad had passed all their PCR negatives over and over again, they went to full training instead of working in, in two separate bubbles, which is quite complicated. All the senior players who remained, all the under-21s plus these um, extra senior guys have been brought in. They've been training at huge distance and, and two bubbles, no intermingling. And everything, and as soon as it went to full training, Lucian Rake said to the guys that he'd called in to help him, look, I'm sorry, you know, you're not coming to replace anybody in the squad. We don't need you anymore. Thank you. And there's just a nice little moment where the senior squad uh, formed a guard of honour and they applauded these guys off the training pitch. Now, they'll be going home or back to their holidays in, in Greece and Australia and America and wherever... 
a little bit upset that you know the the the, the dice didn't roll their way. But I guess that if Spain do well at this tournament, or even if they don't, those guys are going to remember that moment forever. And it's something that keeps coming up again and again in, in Spain coverage. And, and maybe it's the same everywhere. But humility, team spirit. I asked Thiago about the key, having won two European championships at under 21 levels and scored in, in both finals, in one case, a hat-trick against Italy. But... What he if there were things he could take forward from having won those tournaments in Israel, and he said, "Listen, the, the one thing I know is you have to have an incredible human group." He didn't go first to talent or the hard work or the tactics. It's that sense of of unity and being bothered about one another. One another, and Neil, you you worked hard on the last couple of tournaments uh, with me, and particularly I think in in France and Russia, the, amongst the many death by a thousand cuts that were there were. There was not the same unity. There was not the same bond, humility, and just enjoyment of each other's company that was a central element of the three tournaments won. So they're back in full training. Um, to, to chat to Llorente about loving life as a high-line defender, both for Luis Enrique and for Bielsa at Leeds, the risks, he said, are completely outweighed by the benefits. Some defenders are much happier in their, in their security blanket of playing deep and, and heavy defence numbers. and Not me. He said, I, I like adventure and I like the idea. He, he, he used a phrase as well, we're crystal clear about Luis Enrique once. He said, I don't have to look around to see if I go for an automatic press that the guys are with me. I don't have to think about it. He said, those split seconds of knowing that everybody's doing the same thing, crucial, Thiago's phrase, we're here to win, 100% we're here to win. But best of all was yesterday in La Cartuja Stadium. It's called the Olympic Stadium because there was a period at which Seville thought they might win in the Olympics. Um, no point. Um, but there's a little amusement park. There's a little pitch and putt place. There's a rugby stadium. And uh, La Cartuja is a big old sort of ball of a stadium, which um, six weeks ago a friend of mine was in, was working in. And he said, this isn't going to be ready. Forget it. And a couple of days ago, there was a spread in Diario As calling it the, the miracle of La Cartuja because they were rejigging the stadium. Um, there was building work going on. It was functioning as a vaccination centre against COVID. And the pitch was up. And Alba is the captain for this game um, tonight. And I... I said, listen, two months ago here, you were lifting this, the Copa del Rey for Barca against Athletic. Muscle memory means that tr treading this pitch, walking through these changing rooms, it must feel good, blah, blah, blah. He said, look, it's, it, the stadium is really chulo. It's, it's fab, it's, got, it's really cool. But how it was transformed from May 17, when, they were, when there was building work, when Bilbao had just been taken away as a host city, it, Sevilla had been tapped on the shoulder... The work they've done um, from a standing start, which is weeks and weeks, months shorter than the prep time they should have had, it is, is really, really good. And watching Sweden train and watching Spain train yesterday was that little golden syrup moment of watching a football roll, watching tricks, watching players dig each other out, laugh, um, some beautiful controls. And um, largely two squads, which, although there are a couple of doubts, largely two squads in good nick. Um, just on the new stuff, 
those guys that, that came in and were applauded off yesterday and sent home, is there any sense of a standby list or have they sort of firmed up protocols if anything does happen during the tournament? The, the, UEFA, the UEFA rules are really clear, Neil. Um, you can, if you've got somebody um, up until uh, yesterday, if you had somebody injured or uh, struck by COVID, you could replace them. But once you name your squad, and Luis Enrique chose to name 24, not 26, it's down to 23 until Busquets returns, you can then go, oh, I really meant I want 26. So I, I think that the deadline was yesterday and it was only a light-for-light light replacement if there was an, if there was a, uh, an injury or a, or a COVID diagnosis. Now, whether going forward, if there's a COVID diagnosis again, they can be replaced. I haven't looked at the rules that far. But those guys essentially are gone. That's it now. They're out. And the responsibility falls on... Lots of players that we haven't been talking about very much so far in the beginning of the Euros because there hasn't been space to think about Llorente or Koke. I mentioned Thiago a couple of times, but you know he hadn't necessarily been in my reckoning to start this game, but now he is a little bit more. Watching them train, I'll tell you something, they were really enjoying a huge rondo where it was two in the middle, and the rest of the players in the in the centre circle, and that's again that's not what used to happen when it was the era of Sesk and Chabi Alonso and even Senna and Chabi and Iniesta and Busquets, because they would then they would work in much smaller circles, usually with one chaser, sometimes even with two in the small circles, and the ball would absolutely fly. This was more about. Um, I, I think a 15-minute warm-up so that the media would be seen off, seeing some action, but then... And the, the technique is fun, and they, there was a lot of... The ball was kept in the air with, with knees or thighs or shoulders or heads, and it's pretty to look at, but it's not the same blitzkrieg use of the ball that used to open teams up for Spain eventually. But I would say that, that across the the match, and I, I mentioned this to Jan Anderson, the Sweden, Sweden coach, because I had stand up with him in the flash zone yesterday. I asked him why he chose to train in, in the middle of the day because there were lots of slots available and Sweden actively chose to, to, to train at the hottest time of the day. Didn't seem to do them any harm. They, were, they, they enjoyed themselves. They actually extended their session by about 10, 15 minutes so they weren't bursting to get off the pitch. But he reckoned that just to become accustomed and to then feel that at nine o'clock tonight it's going to be a, a little bit cooler was was part of his tactics. But the reason I say that is you heard Jockey Bjorkland tell us we can't be having Sweden chasing Spain all night and then die in the last 20 minutes. And I also mentioned to Seb Larsson, look, one of the key elements of Spain-Sweden from 2008 onwards into now is late goals. That David Villa late, late goal um, to win it in 2008. I, th I think it was Morata scored. A late, late, certainly there was a late, late goal for... Uh, oh no, it was Rodrigo, pardon me, it was Rodrigo who scored in Solna. Uh, the last time the sides drew 1-1 in Sweden. And there are other examples of, of Sweden just not quite seeing a game. And, and that's what they need to avoid tonight. OK, you mentioned Jockey Bjorkland um, there who previewed this fixture with you. Jockey mentioned something that really got me thinking. I wanted to use his idea to put you to the test. He said that as much as he admires the current Spain team that's going to play his nation this evening, there's not one of the squad that would break in to the Spain team that won the three tournaments. 
Now we kind of kicked this about a little bit and we wanted to, to drill down into like a sort of um, composite 11 from Spain across um, 08, 2010 and 2012, three tournaments they won. I put together an 11, I'll accept no truck on the, on the, on the selection issues, which have been done on performance basis, not personality. I might leave one or two of your personal favorites out. In goal, it's easy. Um, we have the captain and the saint, Ike Casillas. Back four starting from the right, Carvajal, Puyo Pique, and we're going for the 2012 version of Jordi Alba, and not your favourite, Joan Capdevilla. Busquets, Xavi, Niesta, what are you going to do about that? And then up front, um, Via Pedro, wide, I think El Nino Torres, and not False Nine Sesc in the middle. Yeah, you've hit me with a tough one. There is no question about the central defence partnership. In midfield, there can't be a question. I would say that Morata is uh, such an um, unpredictable finisher that there can't be an argument about that. Danny almost still um, establishing himself. I think Gerard Moreno would have fitted easily into the squads that you've plucked your best 11 from. I think that... Um, Given that Luis Enrique was a little bit unsure between his three keepers as to who starts tonight, then nobody can challenge uh, Mr. Iker. There isn't an out-and-out right-back apart from Aspilicueta, who was a squad member in some of those tournaments, certainly in 2014, played against Holland. It's too soon to argue for Llorente. I, I pinged this question at Luis Enrique and at Sergio Busquets before his positive test about Pedri. And... I asked it in such a way that they they didn't do the automatic thing about, now look, he's 18, let's play it down, calm down, shut up. And they bit, they both bit, and they said, no, you're right. Um, a guy of that age shouldn't have that vision, that balance, that ability to organise a game. I mean, he's a real Mary Poppins. If you remember the spit spot and you, she waves her wand or her hand or whatever and... All the clothes jump into the the wardrobes and that's what Pedri does to a game. So there isn't a player that's going to start today that, that that walks into your side. You were right in the 11 that you chose. Jockey was right in the prediction he made. And I think that there has been there has been a, a, a change in, in quality from the not only the best era in Spanish football, but some of the best footballers that have ever played the game. I think in... in you know, there are one or two that have got an argument inside your name that have been in, in an all-time world 11. No, Jockey was right, you were right. Um, does that mean that they aren't good enough to beat Sweden today? No, I don't think so. And it's also what you've done, inadvertently maybe, is put a magnifying glass on the fact that there are a lot of unproven footballers out there tonight who may have looked nice in friendlies or Nations League matches who look nice for the clubs. So for example, we've barely mentioned Koke, who just won La Liga again. He's a double La Liga winner for Atleti. You know, we didn't say, does Thiago get into that midfield when he's won Champions League twice, once with Barca in 2011, once with Bayern Munich last season, if, if we're still in this season, if we want to count that, I think we do, 1920 season. And he's lifted two titles for Spain at under-21 level. So... You know, I, th I think what we're saying is that this side has potential, but it's still being formed. And can Sweden upset them by, by taking advantage of the fact that they're not, a, they're not made men yet? 
I like the fact that Jockey called that. It was a bold one, but I think it does stand up under scrutiny. Let's move on after a quick break to talk about another group that are full of players who aren't quite made men. But we found out a little bit more about them yesterday. It's England who are 1-0 winners over Croatia. And we'll talk about them after this. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. Graham, you had a busy old day yesterday, but you managed to... um take in England's group opener against Croatia, a replay of the World Cup semi-final from three years ago. Uh, you wanted Gareth Southgate to play a foreign defence. And when you were talking about that, I, I really didn't think there was much of a chance that we'd see it, but he did. Uh, Atleti Madrid's Kieran Trippier started at left back. Have you seen that since his move to Spain? No, I think the only, I think the only time he's played at left back before is for, is for Gareth Southgate. Um, there hasn't been a need for him at Atleti to do that. His distribution of his, his much stronger foot has been really essential for Atleti. And they're, they're fighting like hell not to let Manchester United take him. They really want to keep him. And if they were to lose him, it would be for a very big price because he's still a, a very good athlete. It, it functioned, didn't it? There was nothing wrong with Trippier at left-back. But you do send a big message to your left-backs. You know, I think it's a, a really... You know, he, because he's also used Kyle Walker at left-back. So you're telling them, lads, you're you're so far down the rankings, and I, I think he's got some balm to to apply to guys who, who he may well need. He, he may well say, I have to have a natural left footer in this game, X game, and he's going to have to work on them and say, listen, guys, um, there was a specific reason. It was this. You're 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 in my mind. You, you mustn't take this uh, in a bad way. So he's caused himself a tiny problem there. But the greater thing is that the idea worked. In terms of four at the back, my argument is that it was really clear how Southgate wanted England to concede fewer goals, that three of the three at the back gave much greater security and flexibility, and they had players who could really excel at wing back. All of those things were crystal clear. But I think they're now a good enough football team, particularly in the creative positions, that they can uh, dominate the ball, dominate games, and carry threat high up the pitch. So, for example, one of the, what do you call a sacrificia, though? One of the guys who lost out because of the change to uh, four was was Connor Cody, whose who's essence probably is in an or- organising in a three, and he's got a good football vision, a football brain, uh, and... and in the end, he ends up benched. But I think it was to the, for the for the good of the uh, England's performance. I think that they've been hinting that they can go to that formation for quite a long time now. Yeah, and there was some there were some fairly bold selection choices as well. I mean, I always think about watching these games from the perspective of um, football fans where you are and where you live in Spain. I wonder, for example, 
how many of them would be looking up the name of Calvin Phillips after that game. The midfield pair, pairing of him and Rice, you mentioned increased productivity sort of in the creative positions. They also showed that the creative positions now go a bit deeper down the pitch for England. No, I totally agree. Well, I mean, first of all, I thought Phillips and Rice partnered well and I've loved Rice since I first saw him. I think that there was a spell where he either didn't dominate games or there was a couple of mistakes and it and it came not long after he declared for England instead of Ireland and the focus went on him and everybody was like, well, he's not doing anything, he's not doing... And all you had to do was try to watch him week in, week out, his positional sense, his leadership, he, the fact that he's pretty decent on the ball. Um, he's a good tackler in terms of... I, I, I really like the way that he reads when to tackle, when not to tackle... And when he gets the ball, he's quick to know what to do with it. You partner that with a, a real um, physical, athletic guy like Phillips, who's patently buzzing with self-belief and, and who believes that he should be on the ball or winning the ball all the time. It makes that a really functioning, dynamic pairing. I, I, I just like watching a midfield like that. And if you give a platform like that, then the footballers around them, like Ford and like Mount, are going to be given the ball more quickly when they're on the half turn, possibly when the opposition have been robbed and might be anything from two to ten metres out of position. So space, if you create, as, as Mount showed in the Champions League final, as Foden showed in the first 50 minutes of that game, there was a spell for, for 20 minutes when I thought England looked like a like a real first-ranked nation team, grown up, not 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 scared, but not nervous, not stuffy. I thought we saw a performance, which it could have been, you know, Italy or, or Germany or France or Spain at their peak, where they're like, yeah, business, I yeah, business, we're ready for this. I know my this guy, that guy, I know this guy, that guy is going to be right on it, and so am I. And all right, the heat took its toll a little bit, Croatia. Are, are older, slower, and without a proper cutting edge. But there were spells where they were able to keep the ball. There were spells where they were like, look, maybe if we can soak this up, rope it up a little bit, we might be able to counter-punch really only Kovacic, uh, Kovacic and, and Modric in particular. I thought Modric's shot from distance was that that was the one decent opportunity. And England maybe, maybe slowed a little bit in the heat, but they managed the game. They never, ever looked bothered that it was a one-goal margin. They always look completely confident that it's as if they'd done a lot of work about how to see out a game. It's as if they, they understood. I thought they looked like a club side. And I think at international level, that's a big compliment. And, and I quite enjoyed watching it. And you picked up on something, didn't you? Because you, you didn't think Kane had his best game. And against Croatia in the World Cup, he left Kane on far too long. He played him in the third, fourth place game. They were pinging the ball long for Kane to chase in the World Cup, which was ridiculous. And and I thought he took him off at or around the right time yesterday. You you know what I mean, don't you? Totally. I mean, if, you know, he has to start, right? Um, but I, I do also think that he had to come off. I think it, you could see the effects of a long season. And look, you've been around elite groups in summer tournaments far more than certainly me and probably anybody who's listening to this. And I don't know if transfer speculation going into a tournament affects somebody at the very top like that. But whatever's going on with him, he's just not in the same... In the same. Um, if you compare him and his energy levels to someone like Phillips or Rice, then it's night and day. 
All right, let's do two, two immediate examples. First, three immediate examples. First of all, David Silva was felt that he was deliberately left out a lot by Vicente Del Bosque because his move to Manchester City was dragging on. And if you look at the percentage number of minutes he spent, I think it was the, the World Cup 2010, he came away from that pretty miffed. Whereas um, David Villa and Jordi Alba, when they were moving around tournament time, Villa made it crystal clear, crystal clear, um, this move has to be done, whether it's Barcelona or Real Madrid, long before the World Cup starts, because I'm not allowing anything to interfere. And that worked for him. It, it cost Silva. And some of this is now beyond Harry Kane's control, but I take your point, I hadn't thought of it. And, and there is examples to show you that players think that way. I don't want this bothering me. Managers think, hmm, this lad is, is there's something not quite there. Even if it's just mental energy. Okay, we have one task remaining for us, Graham, and that is to select our player of the day, brought to you by Bet365. Yeah, I want it to be Antoine Griezmann because... Um, the day after the, the you know the big matches we're, we've featured so far, which is Spain against Sweden, France play in Germany against Germany. Um, it's a match where the Mannschaft are still licking their wounds. It's within recent memory that they lost by six to Spain. It's within recent memory that they lost to North Macedonia, um, who who were pumped out of sight by Austria the other day, and. There's a poll hanging over them about Joachim Lowe. Has he stayed too long in announcing that he's leaving like Fergie once did at Manchester United and the season just dissolved? Does that change the relationship you've got with your players? Um, does the recent speculation about Flick and Bayern Munich damage Joachim Lowe? There's, there are a lot of questions to answer. But for me... Primordial question is, how will, in its first competitive appearance together, competitive appearance together, the trio of Mbappe, Benzema uh, and Griezmann click? We think Benzema will be fine to start. I hope he does. We think that it's Benzema theoretically central. Mbappe on the left coming on his right foot, which he prefers, um, possibly up against Joshua Kimmich, which is a battle royale. I mean, that's a battle for the ages. Two utter world-class players at the right age, ultra-determined, both with a hint of a tiny, an, an adequate soupçon of arrogance. And Griezmann either on the right coming onto his left, which is where he loves to play, or in a little bubble where by probably Conte... Pogba and maybe Tolisso, I'm, I don't know for sure, but maybe Tolisso, give him the space to to risk, to create, which again he loves. And it's one of the things that off and on he's been denied at Barcelona. So there are other super players to, 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 to think about for France. But I want it to be Griezmann. One, because from the two meetings we've had, I've really liked him. I know somebody that works with him and he thinks highly of him as a person. He's... Um, He's suffered. There's no doubt he's suffered. He's, he's a little bit too nice. And at Barcelona, he's suffered. But in two of his last four matches against Germany, he scored a brace. Um, 
I can't see. The last time he lost to Germany was in the World Cup of 2014. His win rate against them is very, very good. And what's more, in the recent friendlies, as good as Mbappe's looked in moments, as 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 much of a lubricant as Benzema's looked for everything good around him since coming back, it's really been Griezmann who's been carrying the weight of great goals or great assists and possibly he's the leading performer of the three in the last couple of friendlies. So, Antoine Griezmann, back for Les Bleus, um, back with a manager who's trusted him the most in recent years, up against the fearsome manshaft. Come on, Antoine. He's our man of the day, sponsored by Bet365. Merci bien. And that is all we have for you today. We're going to be back tomorrow, of course. Graham's going to be giving you his... Um, Flash zone reaction to whatever happens between Spain and Sweden this evening as we record. But for now, thank you very much for listening. And we'll play out with Allons enfants de la patrie, l'heure de gloire est arrivée.